words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts, Lord, be always acceptable in thy sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. So I won't ask for a show of hands, but I'm just curious, um, how many of you all had the week uh, that you anticipated uh, last week? You know, I was thinking about it earlier, and I was thinking about uh, those um, who are a bit more fastidious about their uh, day timers and their planners and that than maybe I am, and I really felt a lot of sorry for you because it was a disruptive, terrible week for me. I can only imagine if you have that kind of a schedule, what it must have been like for you. And so what a great opportunity it is in the midst of all that, perhaps to look back a little bit and to think about what God might be saying and speaking to us in the midst of all of that. And I I kind of want to share a little bit of my own story um, because I think even as I continue to reflect on it, I think it's uh, had a bit of an impact through the entire week in ways that even I'm experiencing even this morning. And so I, I began with a song from the 60s, Signs, Signs, every, 70s, everywhere. song goes on to say, don't do this, do that, can't you read the signs? Now I was fully aware all week long that we were going to begin a new series for this fall looking at what are known as the seven signs in the Gospel of John. So the whole notion of signs has been running through my head all week long. And with everything so disrupted, um, you may have forgotten that this is supposed to be rally day this morning as we move into the, uh, um, the fall series. On Monday, we celebrated Labor Day, the official end of summer, and we had a mandatory evacuation order. Now, we could engage in a lively discussion of just exactly what that means, but uh, As Father Kendall might say, that's for another time. The rest of the week was spent preparing for the hurricane and watching the signs of its progress. All those maps, all those people pointing to those maps and telling everybody what those maps meant and didn't mean. All those spaghetti models going all over the place with everyone trying to read the signs, and tell us and everyone what they meant and what we're supposed to do. Okay, now I guess I have to warn you a little bit already here at the front that I'm going to go off script a little bit uh, today intentionally a couple of times, launch maybe again as Father Kendall might say, but I think it nonetheless um, it applies to our topic when I'm going to this morning, so I hope you'll bear sort of with me. So I'm watching the weather. And I see one of the early forecast uh, projections that's up on the screen. Maps of the storm going over and doing a lot of damage to Florida. I promise you, in the next segment, the very next segment, the anchor and the weather person are having a conversation. The weather person's explaining stuff. And I promise you says, and I quote, with, by the by, the storm is currently at this time off our coast, okay, says to the other, just says, well, the storm followed exactly the path that we projected. Really? So reading signs isn't always as easy, maybe, um, and 
our struggle with it. I love the map that Larry Elkin shared, uh, rang a familiar tone with uh, the path marked by upcoming holidays and how long it was going to be until the storm exactly actually arrived to give us. I know we're here beginning a new sermon series and small group study this morning on the, the seven signs of the Gospel of John. So, so signs, signs everywhere, signs don't know if you remember the movie Bruce Almighty with uh, Jim Carrey. He's a reporter who's really made a mess of things on his news broadcast. He's lost his job. He's been attacked by thugs. He's had emotional blow up with his girlfriend. With his world falling apart, he takes a midnight ride to sort of clear his head. And he begins a pleading conversation with God. He says, okay, God, you want me to talk to you, then you talk back. Tell me what's going on. What should I do? Give me a signal. If you remember the movie, he's driving along one of those roads, construction signs is flashing as he drives by saying this. It says, caution ahead. He doesn't notice it. He keeps going along. He says, I need your guidance, Lord. Please give me a sign. And it's immediately then one of the trucks of the DOT, I suspect, with a road crew pulls out in front of him and it's filled with all kinds of signs. Stop, dead end, wrong way, do not enter. He misses it completely, gets frustrated, pulls around, and runs into a light pole. Signs, signs, do you see them? Are you aware of them? As I say, I've been thinking about this quite a bit, these signs. You know, warning signs, directional signs, danger signs. One more hurricane-related story this morning. I'm wondering how many of you know that there is actually a hurricane evacuation bus stop right across the street from here. Guess you haven't seen the sign, have you? It's there, I promise you, you can go see it. There's a sign, and I saw a bus drive by twice. The second time, it was really kind of interesting because several people whose property is a bit lower, fearful of storm and flood, flooding, parked their cars up here. So as the bus drove by, he saw cars in the parking lot and thought, mandatory evacuation, he thought that people were going to get off and do it. So he slowed down, but sure, nobody got out because there was nobody here and just went on his way, left. But there's a sign right across the street. Weather maps, traffic signs, posted signs. I thought of Father Kendall. There are a lot of humorous church signs, but I won't go there with you this morning. But they're not the only kind of signs we're familiar with now, are they? There's always those health and medical signs. All those potential symptoms you could get when you take a miracle drug, right? They warn you of all those things that could happen. Or the warning signs of a stroke or a heart attack that would be very valuable to know when they occur. To ignore them could cause serious problems. So signs are really, really important. Just this week, Bank of America sent me an email offering to set up a free appointment for me to address my changing needs. Apparently, lots of people seem to know about my upcoming birthday. Blue Cross and Blue Shield, for example, Aetna, Humana, and of course AARP have all offered me uh, signs that I might want to invest in some of their 
Medicare products. There are lots of physical signs. Now, now I already warned you I was going to sort of go off script a couple of times, so here we go off a little bit on this next one. As you may have noted through the storm, um, a tree fell um, from our neighbor's yard completely blocking uh, Chapel Road, knocking down the power lines, which is why it took us a, a bit longer than some of you to get power back. And as we kept looking out on the porch for a, a DOT truck or a Dominion truck um, who occasionally came and then left and didn't do much, we began to notice, or I guess I should be honest and say I began to notice, that people were driving up to it and they were looking at the tree and the tree was completely across the road and into the cemetery. And I began to notice that people began to drive around and through our cemetery instead of going around. Nancy and my children can tell you that uh, I could easily describe how close Baptist Hill and Storage Roads were to just go back and do it rather than drive through the cemetery and drive over plots of some of the members of this congregation. Now, I won't give you the blow-by-blow, blow, but we even asked one driver. We saw one driver there and went over to try to talk and say, look, please don't drive through the cemetery. Like, you just you know, take a little extra time, kind of go around. Wouldn't even roll down his window and almost ran over us to get away because that was what he wanted to do. It wasn't exactly the most friendly sort of thing. A parishioner who has family members buried came and was equally frustrated, and we talked about getting security tape and doing something to uh, block off the road. Well, finally, with some help of a couple of very nice DOT uh, guys, we cleared some of the larger debris from the rectory and conveniently placed it to block so that folks couldn't drive around and over and through the cemetery. Now, you might be thinking that I'm describing here this uh, blockade, this uh, sign that we put up. And we, the DOT actually, I think it may still be there, they, gave, they had a little bit of strand of pink tape left and they put up a little to help me to sort of block it. Which I guess it is a sign and that from that point forward people did seem to no longer break through. But what Nancy helped me to see was that everything was out of order in my life was chaos all around. And these people were showing no respect to the cemetery, and it made me really mad. But it made me madder than it probably should have. Nancy recognized in me the emotional sign in my response and what it was. Signs, signs everywhere. So not surprising, I would suggest this morning to hear that there are spiritual signs. There's direction signs, there's warning signs, there's emotional signs, there are spiritual signs. And like many of the signs in our daily lives, signs in the Bible, they point to something beyond themselves. My emotional response pointed to something far deeper and greater than simply cars trying to get about their work something deeper and greater. They're not the ends in and of themselves. Rather, they're a means to the end. You can already tell how perilous it can be to ignore them, to not see them, and to not heed them. Okay, one last uh, hurricane-related uh, example. Just think of all the signs 
they had to deal with to reverse the lanes on I-26. Think about it. I mean, all the entrance signs, all the exit signs, all the various signs to and from that, that I bet some they just ignored, but they had to deal with the on and off ramp signs because those signs were what guided and helped people. And we're, we're going against what we've been guiding and directing people to do. You had to pay attention or you get in trouble. As a matter of fact, you get on, you could go a long way before there was an available exit because of the way they did their lane reversals. And don't forget that when a sign even on the way to Columbia says 50 miles, 70 miles, whatever it is, you haven't arrived at Columbia yet. Signs are pointing in the direction that we want to be going. Now what's different about biblical signs is that they point us to spiritual truths. When God provides a sign, he's using it to point, point us to an essential spiritual truth. The Gospel of John is unique in this aspect. These seven signs that we're going to be looking at are a way that John really is sharing with us the good news of who Jesus is. And there's, he's different in his application from the other gospel writers, so it's, it's a bit different. They too have miracle stories, obviously, in the other gospels, but they, they take a very special and prominent place in the gospel of John. Father Raymond Brown was an American Catholic priest and a biblical scholar. He died in 1998. I actually had the privilege to hear him speak in person. Especially noted author and scholar regarding the Gospel of John. And in his work, he describes that first section, first half, basically, of the Gospel of John. He calls it the Book of Signs. And he writes, This is the public ministry of Jesus, where in signs and word he shows himself to his own people as the revelation of his Father. The Greek word for signs, semeon, is the word that John uses to describe in his gospel the miracles of Jesus. As I suspect you're aware, the other gospels most often use dunamis, the word we get dynamite from, for power. For them, Jesus is, the de is demonstrating the power of the inbreaking of his kingdom and how it manifests its power in these miracles that take place. John calls them signs because they point to Jesus. He wants those reading his gospel to know that the miracle is a sign. It's not in and of itself much at all other than it's a sign of the revelation of who Jesus is. He doesn't want us to focus or to dwell on the sign. He wants us to go to Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And these seven signs, he goes to say, are so important that he's included them and he's using them in his gospel. Later on in chapter 20, he'll say, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these, the seven, are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you might have life in his name. So let me highlight briefly, John's audience is those who do not yet believe and those that do. So they all may have life in his name. A little hint here, 
Our studies for all of us. No matter where you are in your journey of faith, these signs not only point us to Jesus, but they point us to a life in his name. And so it will enrich all of us as we go through this journey, no matter where you are in your faith. But if you're not aligned in your life to Jesus, he's going to point you directly to him. His whole purpose for writing his gospel is to point people to Jesus. And note also, he says, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, but these are written. These signs are specifically chosen. They serve a purpose. They're not just interesting. They're not just fascinating. They're not just powerful historical events. No, John tells them so that we can have life, life in his name. As I say, there are seven of these signs, the seven, the biblical number of perfection or completion. And he has them in a specific order, and they build on each other. They go from a wedding to a funeral, from water to wine to the raising the dead. And not just the dead, but dead three days, pointing yet again to the climactic end of John's gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus. These signs that we'll be looking at are the following. The first is the changing of water to wine and the wedding at Cana in chapter 2 of John's Gospel. Then the curing of the royal official's son, which also takes place in Cana in chapter 4. There's the curing of the paralytic at the pool of Bethesda in chapter 5. There's the feeding of the 5,000 in chapter 6. Walking on the Sea of Galilee also in chapter 6. The curing of a blind man in Jerusalem in chapter 9. And the raising of of Lazarus from the dead at Bethany in chapter 11. All of these signs will affirm who Jesus is. He's God, our Savior, and the signs demonstrate this. And as we look at them, they'll show us also who he is and what he has done. We'll discover that the signs were not secretive. They're all called signs, and John properly links them. Each one will build on this block of evidence and what a finale we'll get with the raising of Lazarus. I'd suggest it's going to be an exciting study and I I pray that each of us will come to know Jesus better. That these signs will reorient our own lives and we'll see them more readily when they're pointing us in a direction to go. To look nowhere else for how we'll guide and direct our own lives. But don't forget, there's a A caveat here, a reminder that not only are there other signs out there that are pointing in different directions, we sadly know that even though Jesus performed many signs in their presence, some still did not believe. So not only do we have signs that that point us in a different direction, we can ignore signs or not believe that they're pointing us anywhere. One author noted, we unfortunately as a human race have a really poor record of following and reading signs. He writes, when God performed amazing and powerful miracles for the Israelites, did that cause them to obey him? No, the Israelites constantly disobeyed and rebelled against God, even though they saw all the miracles. The same people who saw God send the plagues to Egypt, part the Red Sea, feed them constantly, guide them by pillar of fire and cloud, and spoke to them from the mountains, later doubted whether God was able to conquer the inhabitants of the promised land. 
You see, signs are so very important in our lives. So very important. John reminds us, though he'd done many signs, they still don't believe in him. We have to be aware and recognize the signs so these signs can lead us to where Jesus is and where we will boldly come into his presence and behold his glory. But if we're not looking for the signs, we'll miss them. And if we're ignoring the signs, we'll miss his glory. So though we've had an incredibly disruptive week, I'd suggest it's a week I discovered full of signs, all kinds of signs that God can use in my life. And so I pray that as we all embark on this journey of signs, that we'll begin to see them. We'll begin to recognize them. We'll begin to see God's hand working in our lives through these signs. And most specifically through those in the Gospel of John, we'll be pointing our lives to Jesus. So I hope this morning you begin to recognize signs all around you, and yes, signs within you. And I especially pray for you to see and recognize and follow the signs that God places before you and point you in the direction of his son, Jesus. So as we embark together on this journey, let us pray. Father, we have had quite a disruptive week. So we come to the beginning of this new week, this new season of the fall, and we embark on our study of your word, through your servant John, and these signs that you've done to point us to your son, Jesus. Father, make us acutely aware of the signs in our lives. Open our eyes to see your hand at work, guiding, pointing, directing us. Make yourself known and reveal us, reveal yourself to us. May this study draw us closer to you, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.